Podcast World, what's up? Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of The Foul Life. Thank you all so much for the support so far of our brand new The Foul Life podcast. And also thank you for all the support of our original podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody. We have tons of great guests coming up very soon on that, including Dan Henderson, including Leith Lofton, including the one and only Brent Cobb from the state of Georgia, his album Providence Canyon and Shine on a Rainy Day, some of my favorites of all time, one of the top songwriters in Nashville. Brent will be in our studio at the end of October. Can't wait to bring that to you right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. But for this episode of The Foul Life, we're coming at you from the Take em Outfitters Lodge in Alberta, Canada again. And today's episode is brought to you by Mojo Outdoors from Monroe, Louisiana, Mr. Terry Dick and Mike Morgan, Chuck Smart, Jared, everybody down there, Nate, Stevie, thank you guys, the entire crew at Mojo Outdoors, the best spinning wing decoys on the market. And you talk about innovators, and you talk about a company that's brought more smiles to more faces of new duck hunters, veteran duck hunters. If you've been underneath a cloud of mallards in a dry field, whether it's up here in Canada in the peas or down in North Dakota or Minnesota in the corn, there's nothing like mallards working the mojo over a dry cornfield. And it's a way to get new people involved in the sport and breed confidence into it. So thank you, Mojo Outdoors. And today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Lear Camper Tops. They top all of our trucks, keeping all of our gear dry from Mother Nature elements safe and secure from any of those burglars out there looking to break into one of our foul life rigs i wouldn't do it if i were you because inside there you're going to find uh something waiting for you if you can even get inside so lear thank you very much for all the security and safety you provide for us as we travel america's and canada's highways the back roads looking for those mallard ducks those canada geese right here at the foul life and today joining me in the take em outfitters lodge is the owner again of Take Em Outfitters, Mr. Clay Charlton. Clay, how are you doing? Pretty good, Chad. Thanks for having us, uh, you know, coming up here every year for the last three, four years and uh, doing what you do. I mean, it's a pleasure having you. We're humbled. And uh, and this year you uh, also brought uh, a gentleman we met, a new friend. And his um, name is, is Brad Arrington. Brad Arrington. The one and only dog trainer from Mossy Pond Retrievers, the great state of Georgia, same state that Brent Cobb hails from. Wow. And, and he also brought a friend with him. Yeah, our Axel. Axel, a master hunter, huh, Brad? How are you, brother? Excited to be here. It was an <clears throat> amazing three days um, hanging out with the group with the Foul Life and all the guys would take them outfitters. Excited to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. Have you ever been? Have you ever hunted Canada before? Been to Canada? Never been in Canada before. Never, Never been, been north in, of the border? Into Can- nope. Never, huh? Nope. What'd you think? It was awesome. It was awesome. It didn't. It didn't let us down at all. the The birds were were awesome. Axel did a great job, and the the people up here, Mr. Clay and his family, and all the guys that went along with Take Them Outfitters were first class, and it was it's been a blast. It's pretty awesome. And one thing that I know that you were surprised to see up here, but very happy when you did, was Little Debbie's. <laughs> I definitely found a stash of little Debbies. That's for sure. Were you surprised that, that they were up on that refrigerator? Like, oh my gosh, they're up here too. They they tra- they treated me well. Every time I'm in camp with um, you guys and the foul life, y'all y'all take care of me. That's for sure. Did you uh, did you enjoy that breakfast yesterday morning? Oh man, Miss Crystal, she showed out every time she cooked. It was and then Thanksgiving dinner last night. That was. That was awesome. Did you eat some of those yams, sweet potatoes, whatever they call them here? I did. With the marshmallows on the top? Alberta has a... Alberta, Canada, I guess. It's, Thanksgiving happens a little different than y'all. It's uh, it's October uh, second 
It's the second uh, Monday in October every year, so it falls a little different than you guys. I'm, glad, guys it, I'm glad it did. That's right. You get two Thanksgivings. <laughs> yeah, right. we're, we're our Thanksgiving's not until the end of November. Every yeah. Year. Well, we're we get 28th. two Thanksgivings as well. Like, we do uh, a big Thanksgiving usually every year with the Fowl Life every year, which is uh, it's been a great tradition for the last few years. And then we also do a big Thanksgiving dinner for the for the boys from the south when we're doing our whitetail camp and uh, in November. So we're, we were all blessed that way. So I want to talk about something before we get into Axel and what we experience with a master hunter up here and what what the difference is in a, in a duck dog that's been trained like Axel has and several of the dogs that come out of Mossy Pond. But I've been thinking a lot about, you know, why don't we come up to Canada in September anymore? A lot of Americans make that voyage north every September. It opens up here September 1st, One. September 4th, somewhere in there, One. September yep. 1st. But there's no color to the ducks, right? Nope. So you could be killing sprig, you could be killing widgeon, you could be killing mallards. They're all going to be brown. Pre-plume. What is your guys' opinion on that, Brad? If you're watching a TV episode and some guys are having fun, they're showing out up in Canada, they're cooking, they're you know hooping and hollering, having great camaraderie and kinship, dogs are working, there's smiles, high fives going on. Is there anything wrong with coming up here and killing those ducks before they turn color, in your opinion? Well, it's funny, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what, what's, the, what's the best dog? What's the prettiest dog? What's the best looking dog? And I always give them the same answer. A good dog is, is what we like at Mossy Pond. And I think that goes hand in hand with your question. I mean, a good duck hunt, it doesn't matter if it's hen mallards or um, a nod plumaged duck. Yep. I just like a good duck hunt. A, a good successful hunt when the birds are doing it right like they did this morning, I wouldn't care if they're purple or yellow or brown. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's the same with a good so dog. As long, well as, you're, as long as you're well legal, said. as long as you're legal within your legal Absolutely. limit. And in Canada, you can kill eight ducks. And all eight of them can be hens. Even this time of year, when you can tell them apart, we could have all killed eight hens apiece today. Yep. Even though a lot of people shun down on that, I've heard it's biologically proven that it does not mess up the duck population, right? There's a lot of hens killed every year, and our duck numbers are through the roof. But I'm not an advocate of just killing hens. I'm not saying that. Well, how many hens, Chad, in the last three shoots, in the last three days, how many hens did you have a crew of boys in a blind stand up with the barrel safeties off and go, no, we didn't pull the trigger because there's thirty ducks coming to spread, and all of them are hands. You know, we're we're selective shooting. I mean, we got a lot of birds up here right now. They're grouped up hard. It's late season. It's cold temperatures. It's snow on the ground. Um, these birds are grouped up. They're ready to get going to head to south. And uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of hen ducks. We're also seeing a lot of uh, you know plumed up mallards. But uh, the hens outnumbered the drakes. It was Probably amazing. 10 to 1. It was amazing how many hens there were. 30 to 1. Which is good for the population, right? Just but there's a, still got to be some boys to breed. Well, our, our duck hatch this year in 2019 in Alberta has been staggering. It's been the best hatch I've ever seen in my life. And I've been doing this 14 years professionally my whole life as an avid hunter. So this year is the best hatch I've ever seen due to the f several facts. The water has been, we had a great spring. We had the predators, the white, the coyotes and the foxes are way down doing the trapping ability. And the second of the best, probably the most important is the haying. The farmers didn't like this situation, but the, as a waterfowler, the hay didn't get cut for a month later than normal. So those birds got to hatch in those hay fields, which a lot of our birds will hatch in the hay fields. The ducks, um, they nest in these uh, alfalfa fields and timothy fields. And uh, so all those hay fields, could, they stayed standing for an extra month. So all them baby ducks 
grew up hatched and uh and you know like we're seeing right now as if we got on a film today we we looked at several different mallards that were drakes that were still look like they were shot in the first second week of september there's i think there was a double hatch this year i think everything's late in wildlife this year it's been late all over america too the the everything from planting to the trees to the brush to everything this summer was late coming in everywhere we went and going into the fall everything was late with our antelope our mule deer every i mean a lot of it was just you know it was just a late season a late uh, late bloom with the with the planting a late harvest everything I, I talked to grant kuypers this morning and he's hoping that he gets to hang out with us next week when we're over in saskatchewan because he's still harvesting yeah and there's a ton of standing crop here ton still of it. that's not going to come off ton of it so i don't know i just been thinking about it a lot like you mentioned it when we were talking before we got on the microphones about instagram and social media and haters and i don't know do you have haters brad doing your success that's come over the last five years do you have people that shun down on your success that don't know you does that happen in the dog world i think everybody that anybody that's successful you're gonna you're gonna have that you know people that try to bash you and hurt you and um tear your business down so of course we do you know um i think you just gotta overlook it and keep keep working hard and try to try to be the best and look over so you wouldn't really worry then if we come up here and you came up here next year in september and the dogs got tons of retrieves the ducks are working perfect we don't have to battle a lot of what we battle we're battling the weather the weather the late season ducks i mean it's snowing on us every day while we're here and the other part about coming up here this late brad is that it takes one night of a deep freeze and you could wake up to no birds hey listen that pond freezes over okay so like these birds right now this is Late, late October, mid-October, you get minus 5, minus 7 Celsius and, and during the night. So these birds are flying from a big roost and they go into a staging pond, which is usually located fairly close to their feeding ground. And uh, that staging pond freezes over. That changes everything in that duck's world. You know, so for you and me as as the hunter and whatnot, we were going to go set up on them in the morning. We plan on a shoot in the next morning on a field, particular field, which is close to a staging area. If that thing freezes over. Them ducks know that. They ain't coming back to that field tomorrow morning. And guess what? You went through all that work. You do a big setup, and you sit there and watch a beautiful Alberta sunrise. And you sit there and go, well, they won today because you didn't even see a bird because they didn't come back. And that's that more apt to happen this time of year. Absolutely. It doesn't happen in draw. September. It doesn't happen. No. Wherever they are in September, wherever they are the night before in the p.m., they are back there in the a.m. Now, in October, you get a much prettier bird. You get a big plumage bird. you got to remember, in Alberta versus Kansas and all them southern zones, our birds, we start a lot sooner than you all would think. So we start at September 1st, they're unplumed birds. These birds are, they look all the same other than their beak. The beak, a drake will still have a green beak and a hen will have a yellow beak or an orange beak. Um, but these birds, you know, they don't work over them fields the same way they do in October. We're working a lot harder, a lot harder spread. Weather is a huge determination. Like in the last two days, Chad, you know, Brad, we all experienced this in the last two days. Yesterday, we didn't even get to go out and do a whole lot of anything because we had a lot of rain the camera gear you know i mean with the tv show these this is a whole different hunting environment which is a lot more challenging we still knocked it out of the park that's because <laughs> chad's got a great team take mofiters got a great team and we put it together and we make it work but uh no it's 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 a different environment but september bird hunting up here is on another level so if you were on social media brad and and you saw somebody get on my get on my butt up there shooting hens and 
on brown ducks in September and you and you had to answer them, you know, in a very politically correct way. What would you tell that hater or that judgmental person of of, you know, that's on that keyboard muscle saying his opinion or her opinion? What do we say to somebody to educate him like, hey, like what Clay's talking about? Would you educate him or would you say, look, man, we're having fun. This is duck hunting. It's legal. This is what we look forward to every year. Don't knock us for wanting to come up here and do this in September because I'm really trying to talk myself in to come in at least four or five days in September in 2020. You know, I have um, 120, 140 customers in the kennel at all times. And I was just thinking while y'all were talking, all my customers, and they come from all different walks of life. I mean, um, from coast to coast, from doctors, lawyers to, you know, um, farmers, all walks of life. And I was wondering, what would they be saying? What would they say about that? And I think if, if you're doing the hunt for the right reason, the camaraderie, the, um, you know, being a conservationist, go out and doing the right thing, I can't imagine a single person that I know that's a real duck hunter that really knows how to duck hunt and is out there for the right reasons that would be complaining about that. But to answer your question, what I would say to them, I, I definitely wouldn't respond just like you said. I would just let it go because apparently, you know, they 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 got too much time on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if I had to, you know, I would just try to explain to them, you know, it, it's about the hunt and the camaraderie and going out and having a good time with your friends. And as long as you're uh, between the legal guidelines and, you know, enjoy the hunt, enjoy the, the yeah, dogs, enjoy absolutely. enjoy your friends out there. And, um, you know, we, we got to we got to have us out there as conservationists or absolutely um, this this whole thing doesn't work. Um, cool. I, I'd like to mention something on that that same subject, Chad, on that uh, the same question you asked uh, Brad on that. Um, you get up here in September. Thir- I mean, there's 30 days of September and uh, we hunt. We hunt 50 to 60 days straight waterfowl here at Takemo Fitters, and we put 110% in every day. We don't do anything else. We do 12 months a year. Uh, we hunt for a living. There's nothing else we do. So everything we do, every customer we have at our, you know, our operation gets the full meal deal. But at the same point in saying this, that question you just asked, Brad, you know, about the haters, what they're saying about killing the hens or killing the sprig or whatnot, there's hunts where we get up here, where we get under 3,000 ducks coming into a field, and in 10 minutes, we're done shooting our sprig because we have so many pintails on top of us that all morning, there's thousands upon thousands of sprig coming in on us on the decoys. So when then we get selective shooting or starting to shoot mallards, you know? So, you know, we, in my operation, you're allowed four pintails in alberta per man we stop everybody here at three you know just to keep everything within the guidelines plus take mofiters implements a different guideline is you know we got six guys in a blind we're going to stay six birds off our limit just because you know we got to shoot some mallards we got to keep into the limits of of what the law is but you don't realize up here in the north we're the first fields these birds get to see these birds are coming in thicker than bees, right? And like there's mornings where you get three, 4,000 sprig coming in on a set of decoys and you're trying to shoot mallards. And they're, it's, well, you, Chad, you experienced it with us two years ago where it was just, you looked at me and said, Clay, is there any mallards in this country? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you got to be careful when you get that many sprig on top of you have to make sure. I think it's always smart what you're saying to leave a few birds short like we did today. That Absolutely. dog might be go pick up a cripple that we didn't see fall. Yep. We might, you know, have a couple in the decoys that we got in a hurry because another big flock was starting to work. So we didn't pick them up. And then he finds the axle finds at the end of the hunt. You stay within the legalities of the law. You can kill four pintail in Alberta. You can only kill one pintail in the Pacific flyway of exactly. America. And when you go out duck hunting in California, you see thousands and thousands of big, mature bull sprig with Ooh. long splinters wow. on them. And you can only kill one. And they're trying to change that because you you should be able to kill more than one, in my opinion. Because I feel that that could have, you know, that could cause damage to the breeding population. There's too many drakes and not enough hens or whatever the, you know, too many bulls and not enough hen sprig. There's a lot of biological studies that go into that. But I think that it's it's one of those things that I keep fighting myself. It's like, is it okay to go shoot those brown ducks and just take the haters Absolutely. on and be like, and I think it is because what we enjoyed today, we killed some hens today. And I looked at the camera and I go, look, it's overcast skies. It's hard to tell with the snow blowing and, and the dark sky behind them. Not many people can pick out a hen and a drake this time of year. Absolutely. Even in the sunshine when the hate when there's some young drakes in there. So it made it tough. We killed some hens. We didn't go over any of our limits, but I just want it to be to where people understand that it's more than killing that duck. And when we study strong dog work and we take the time to get a really strong dog in the blind like Axel is and what you've done with him. And then you practice your calling, your decoys, your scouting. Scouting is so important in Canada. You don't just come up here and go, oh, we're going to kill them hard every day. We struggled a few days here. We scouted hard. But because of weather, we struggle. And it's going to happen. So everything that you implement into your hunt is very important. And then after the hunt, what did we do? We, we, We go an extra mile with butchering, processing and preparation of we ate duck every day we've every been in canada so far day so to me that's what it is and when somebody goes you guys are up there killing all those brown ducks but we're having fun we're developing memories we have strong friendships up there and we've been looking forward to this for 12 months so quit trying to rain on our parade is the attitude that i'm going to start having so we need to sit down and talk about some september dates for 2020 Absolutely, and Chad. october dates because i'll you come know, up twice yeah well you know what the birds in september i mean of course you got the mecca like where i'm located we're you know um we're in northeastern alberta we're in the first field the the first grain agriculture these waterfowl ever see out of the tundra when they break that military range and they get over top of cold lake these are the first pea fields the first barley field the first oat fields these birds ever get to see when they stage up here and we got the water here just to roost them and we don't shoot a lot of roost which is a bonus these birds you can shoot them out of any field you want they'll go back to that big roost and then the next day they may go change fields of course but they don't leave that roost and up here we don't shoot a lot of water actually we shot our very first water field or water hunt mellard duck hunt with chad two days ago and it was unbelievable i i truly enjoyed it i truly enjoyed his ability to talk to them ducks with them duck calls on the water and i'll tell you what those birds were in the nosebleed section in the air and chad and his brother clay were getting on them calls and they brought those ducks down on a whirlwind and straight out of the sky on a 90 degree and straight on top of us that was impressive and i appreciate that and what was the most important impressive part of the week today though happened today with me that was unreal what we saw in, in the man axle what did you think of him clay when you watched that dog work i'll tell you what for a three-year-old dog that's never really been in a dry field ever before with this trainer in hand in the field how do you get better than that we got to you know there was times i stood up 
just to watch how, you know, Brad worked that dog. That dog come back, he'd run out and send him out on a, on a, on a command. He'd stop that dog, send him to the left, send him to the right. You know, we'd mark that bird as it fell. Uh, Axel didn't always get to mark that bird as he fell because, you know, he's in the blind, he's hiding, we're all on a big hide because it's late season, so we're taking every precaution to get these birds in on us. And Brad, you know, doing what he does best, he sent that dog out, and that dog was on that duck, you know, and we all, there was, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, good dog, you know. That's what blew my mind. That was awesome. I know he can run fast, but for his his ability to get to a bird, pick it up, and be back is – one, it's impressive. Yeah. But two, the a dog is a tool. I, Axel's oh, a, we love our dogs, but they're a tool. It. They're a conservation tool, right, Brad? Yes, sir. So you can. think about what he does for our duck hunt. When he can pick up five ducks that fast, Especially boom, boom, did, boom, 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 mm-hmm. hit, hit the whistle, stop him, hand, hand signal, boom, he's over here, he's back. What does that do for our hunt? One, it doesn't leave a chance for a cripple to get away because he's on it and back with yep. it so fast two it lets us get back in the blind safe get our guns reloaded and start working next flock because it can happen hot and heavy in canada and a lot of times you have three or four guys running out there to get all the birds and a cripple flies off or runs off and you got it just it's unbelievable how fast he got those birds uh, back I'll, to the blind i'll tell you what a dog is worth his weight in spades on a particular hunt this morning, like for example, there was guys sitting beside me. I know Chad, you weren't sitting beside me, and uh, and you didn't hear the conversations going on, what was going on at my end of the blind. But like Clay and I were sitting there, we got swaths that are sitting a foot and a half above the stubble. These ducks are hitting the ground, and the first thing a crippled dog or a duck does when you get them on the ground, he runs under that stubble. So there be, I don't care if there's ten of us in the blind, we all run out to go find that duck. He's gone. But you know what Axel does? He uses his nose. He gets downwind of that duck, and he's on that duck. And, I mean, it's like, boom. He, as soon as he gets downwind on him, he's got that duck. He digs his head into the swath, pulls that duck out of there, and we're all like, are you kidding me? This was just amazing footage, amazing dog work, amazing dog training from Mossy Pond. I mean, this dog knew what he was doing. He's I was totally blown away by a three-year-old dog, first time in Canada, first time in Alberta in a dry field, and he worked that good. 44 ducks. We were four short of a six-man limit. He picked them up quick. Yeah. Four short because we decided to be four short. <laughs> <laughs> what? Brad, first off, were you, were you impressed with him and happy with his performance today? Oh, definitely. You know, um, handing the dog off to a customer, and, you know, of course, you and the fowl life are way more than customers. Um, we've built the friendship, and it's exciting. And I, I want to make sure that I, I do a great job, me and Axel, for, for you and the fowl life. So, I was anxious to see how he did, and I, I thought he did perfect. You know, um, hunting and training are two totally different things. We we can take these dogs and train them to the ultimate level, hunt and retriever champion, master hunter, super retriever series champion, uh, field champion, whatever it may be. But until you take those dogs into the um, into the duck blind or into the field. I can simulate everything, but I can't simulate that tornado of ducks going around and around and around, coming down and getting him to start watching those birds in the air. And um, that's why I was saying today, and when we first got here to Mr. Clay and to um, and to you, Chad, that we needed to start with some, you know, some singles, let Axel get used to it, let him start watching those birds where he will look out, even when it gets boring. Those dogs want to lay down in the blind or look back at the um, guys blowing the duck calls, even the most advanced dogs you can have out there, like Axel. But um, if you you take your dog 
if you take your dog and you'll do a hunt or two to get them warmed up like we did with Axel, I mean, um, so that was his, we did the first hunt the first day, shot some singles, and then the to, today we turned it loose. We shot 44 in probably, what, an hour and a half. I mean, um, at first we were shooting some singles, turned into some doubles. Then we were shooting some um, three, four, five at a time. There, there were several times that at the end of the hunt, and just like Mr. Clay said, at the beginning of the hunt, if you noticed, I ran a lot more blinds, hand signals, because I had to help yep. Axel put them on because he didn't mark them all because he didn't understand the hunting part of it to watch those birds come down. By the end of the hunt, so we did all this in three days. By the end of the hunt, doing it the right way, he was marking um, triples and quads down. Yep. And that last um, quad that we ran him on, he picked up. He marked all four of them. Some were 180 degrees apart. Some were out your side. That one that you shot that crippled and killed it to the right. And those that um, me and Clay got on the left side, um, he knocked a quad. I mean, he marked a quad down and picked them all up clean with no hand signals or nothing. So um, I, I think he did very well. You hunt that dog another 10 times, oh, yeah. you'd never have to look down at him again. I mean, he never tried to break, not one time. He was very steady. Even with the guns going off, we had, at, at one time at the end, we had six, eight, um, six guns going off all at one time, everybody unloading. And he sat right there until everybody unchambered their gun, put their guns down in the blind. Barrels and up. then when Mr. Clay said barrels up and that I could send him, you know, I sent him out there and he, he, picked, he did his job. So I, he, he's got the tools and he's learning the game now. So I'm, I'm very pleased with how he did. And even as a master hunter, you touched on this earlier when we were in the field, but that first hunt that we had the night before last was a hunt that you said was perfect for acclimation. He's a master hunter. He goes through boot camp. He's in, he's in training nonstop. He's on the trailer. He's going to hunt test all over the country. And then he gets up to Canada and a lot of, you know, it could be eight guns in the field at one time in the blind. Then you got a couple thousand ducks that you see on any given day hunting in this part of the world. That hunt that we started him with, why was that perfect when it was just, we killed like 11 ducks in, a, in an hour. Why was that good for a high powered dog like Axel to have that as his first hunt in Canada? Great well, question. Well, prime, prime example, um, Axel's hunted out of the ground force blinds by Avery. You know, he gets in there. He, he knows how to get down in there, tucked in there, track with the gun barrel. But when we practice that, we don't sit there for an hour before the action starts, before we throw the ATBs out there or the um, birds for him to retrieve. We put him in the ground force blind and we go to work teaching him and training him. So we're providing the tools, but we're, we're not in the hunting scenario. So I'm not going to pick on, I, I got to pick on Axel a little bit if I had to. When we got in the blind on, on the first hunt, everything was perfect. I told him to kennel. Um, I told him to watch. He started looking out. Everything was smooth. Well, 10, 15 minutes rolled by and we, we hadn't had any action. Well, then even at his level, he starts looking around, look, looking back in the holding blind. I mean, looking back in the blind with us like, you know, what's going on? He doesn't understand the game yet. He has the tools to understand the game and be the best at the game, but he doesn't understand the game yet. Well, then one duck came in. I told him to watch. He picked it up. He watched it down. He sh we shot it. Right before when we when we shot, he looked back in the in the holding. I mean, in the duck blind with us. He missed his mark, so I stepped out. I had to run a blind, but he saw where I where he picked that duck up. The second one, same thing. It was a single. I had to run a blind. By the third one, he started watching for me. And when that duck was coming in and it was circling, it was a pair. We shot it down. It was we only killed a single. He went out there and picked it up. Then. It started, it started that effect that he was starting to learn the game. Now, right. 
if we would have sat there 30, 45 minutes with no action and he'd have laid down in the blind or looked back at us, and then finally we had some action and all eight guns jumped up at one time and they unloaded their guns shooting at the birds, I mean, that would have been worst case scenario. He'd be like, what in the world yes. just happened? Yes. And as much as we simulate that back home, we, we put we put the dogs in the ground force blind and we'll line up and have another honoring dog and two or three or four of us will shoot. Right. But not at any time do we put eight guns in a small area like that and we haven't done anything for 30 minutes. At that time, he's thinking we're just hanging out. You know, so he, he's just laying down looking back at me and then everybody jumps up. That, that could be detrimental even to a dog at Axel's level. So how we eased him in through this week was perfect. And you see, by doing that, look at what he did for us today. I mean, he looked like a, a veteran. He yeah. looked like I hunt with guides all across the country and that I train for now, but they'll have dogs that they think are great. And, I mean, they don't do what Axel did today with that crisp command and that, that much style. So um, well, uh, how, how it worked out today was, yeah. was awesome. Well, see, Chad mentioned that to me. He said, hey, Clay, Axel's coming up here. He's coming up here with Mossy Pond, the trainer, the man that, you know, that takes these, these dogs and puts them on another level. And he's like, let's get them out on a little hunt. Let's get them out there. Let's not get this, bird, this dog <coughs> under a pile of wings right away. This is his first day ever. He's got his master, you know, his master ticket. And uh, we get him out there. We didn't want to overwhelm him because this is his first time in this dry field, uh, first time under ducks. So we get him out there where get, it's more, I call it a gentleman shoot. Mm -hmm. You know, it was an evening shoot. We went out there and we, sh you know, we're all going to shoot a few birds. We knew we were not going to shoot a pile of birds, but we got a, we got a brand new pop on the field. And it was a great way to introduce him to, you know, from versus from hand train commands, all, you know, you know, controlled environment when you're training these dogs. And then bring him into the real world of hunting, and uh, we stimulated that with a, a great way to kick it off. As in, you yeah. know, we're not throwing down six, seven, eight birds on the ground at one time. It worked time. out perfect. It worked out perfect, it did. and and he worked out amazing. That was his first day in the field, and now look at what he did today. Today yep. was one of my favorite hunts of the season. Fifty days deep, uh, we kill a lot of birds every single day. But yet today, watching a new dog like that go from three days into a field and what he did today was definitely unbelievable. Yeah, and 40, 44 knockdown, he put 44 back in the blind. In Nobody had to step out there. And just like what you were talking about earlier, Chad, you know, you get out there and you're running around trying to get cripples. And another thing, the success of a hunt and to, today, you know, with y'all, Clay, take them outfitters. I mean, Jesus, I mean, we could have sat there and oh. we could have killed our limit five times over. But, you know, a lot Make of times we've all hunted before. A lot of times you go out there and if you don't have a crisp, clean, fast dog like that, that can get the job done and get right back and do it in a timely manner, you miss opportunities. And everybody knows missing opportunities as a duck hunter, Absolutely. it'll kill your Cost success. You yeah. I mean, he's out. we're out there trying to find ducks and walking around. Well, that big group of ducks that we did get to commit because Axel did his job timely and got back for us. We busted them or they busted us because we're out there running around trying to uh, catch hey, ducks. So it it, a, it's very important to have a crisp, clean dog that can go out there with style and get the job done. It was a prime example. I mean, not to interrupt on that, but like, for example, like today we were mid shoot, we were killing birds, um, knocking birds down in the field. And we were like, Hey, we got two sitting over there. They're center of the spread. 
you know, Brad sends the dog out, Axel, goes out, and he goes way, way right of the spread. And we're all looking at him, no, no, he's right. And he says, yeah, but we don't know where he is. We didn't mark that bird, hit the ground. Well, you knew what that dog would do before mm-hmm. we all kind of picked up on mm-hmm. it, is you sent him downwind of that that mm-hmm. that duck yep, yep. and man that duck you know you just sent Axel he smelled it 30 yards away absolutely yep. and he turned on a dime the minute he caught the wind of that duck yep. and he was on that duck with a retrieve where yep. all of us have been out there running he had that duck back in our hand before we could even you know yep. imagine I, that was impressive mm-hmm. what when you start talking about the ribbons and the the accolades of a, a dog what does it mean for a dog is it something that helps breeding obviously those ducks don't know he's a master hunter most of the guys in the blind don't unless you tell them so is it is it something that a dog owner wants to have for breeding purposes down the road if he does choose um, bloodlines to where the puppies are going to be a little bit more valuable what is the the benefit brad of having a master hunter as far as i know it helps a training facility like mossy pond of saying hey we got another master hunter under our belt but why would i want to have a master hunter if i'm just joe blow walking around in the duck blind is there any benefit to having a master hunter or does it just show you that your dog has reached the ultimate platform all right i'm gonna pick on you a little bit here so exactly what happened to duff duff's a fantastic dog bred fantastically i mean and he he's trained great but duff's out of shape duff's not seasoned he he's not going hunting every every single day so what the hunt test game does it provides something for these dogs to stay in tune throughout the whole season so it's a hobby for a lot of my customers a lot of my customers are only doing it to give their dogs instead of the 60 days of duck season in georgia it gives them the other 10 months to stay in tune stay in shape and give them something to do on the weekends as far as the breeding part of it, of course, if I'm going to, just like when we picked Axel out, if I'm going to pick a puppy, I want to, it, it would be nice to know that, okay, the dad of these dogs, the sire, and the mom, the dam of these puppies are, have achieved these qualifications. They, they were both master hunters. They were both hunt retriever champions. Maybe they were both on the national derby list, qualified all age. Maybe they were field champions. And then that lets me know that these dogs are, because, you know, if I take in 100 dogs, maybe only 35% are going to be master hunters. And so I'm in the top of the class. And just because he can become a master hunter doesn't mean he, just like a lot of people say, Brad, I I don't want a field trial dog. I don't want a hunt test dog because I don't want that high drive. Well, that's silly. These dogs, if they become master hunters and hunt retriever champions, it's because their sight's the best, their nose is the best, they're they're more intelligent, they can pick up on stuff, they're more compliant, they work with you, they're they're not, you know, they don't go against the grain. Everything about them is the better dog. It's not just because they have high intensity to 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 retrieve. It's because they're smarter, better, faster, um, everything from A to Z. So, yes, I definitely would want to know if I'm getting a puppy, why not, instead of that backyard breeding that you don't know anything about, spending $500, why not spend $1,500 on a nice, well-bred pup out of two master hunters like Axel, and I know that that dog can go and do it. And genetics is everything. I mean, in humans, horses, everything. Wildlife. uh, Yeah genetics is everything so if we know that axel's parents 
all the way back and you look in his lineage, everything in a five um, generation has some kind of title, hunting retriever champion, master hunter, senior hunter, something. And if they have that, you know, your odds are a lot better and you're trying to beat, you're trying to beat the odds and have a nice dog that is compliant. And we bred Axel exactly what he is. That's what we bred Axel to be, is to be that B model dog that can hang out at camp with us, be chill. He, he hung out in here three nights in um, Take Him Outfitters Lodge and we didn't hear a peep out of him in yep. three nights. I mean, he hung out here in the duck blind. We didn't, hear, we didn't hear him whimper, we didn't hear him whine. He wasn't jumping on anybody. He sat there cool, calm and collective. But when we asked him to do go, what'd he do? He was, kick, he was kicking rocks in our face. You know it. So that's what the ultimate dog and the ultimate breeding, that's what you want. And that's, that's awesome. then, then of course the health part of it, hips, eyes, elbows, EIC, CNM, yeah. heart, thyroid. We also know that the longevity of his career in hunting is going to be at least 10 years, if not 12, um, because of all the health clearances on his sire and dam and everybody in his generation. What is a master's hunt? What is a master hunter? What does it take? What does it mean? It, who is it through? Who judges it? How do, you, how do you even go about starting the process of becoming a master hunter? Well, AKC um, has AKC hunt tests. It also has AKC field trials. UKC has their hunt test. But... Um, AKC Hunt Test has three different levels, a junior hunter, a senior hunter, and a master hunter, and then master nationals. Um, so Axel, we, we, we skipped junior and senior and went straight to master hunter with Axel. And um, it, it is a standard that you're trying to beat. It's not a competition. It is a standard. And there's different um, elements in the test, a, a triple um, retrieve on land, a triple retrieve on water, a land-water combo test, um, a land blind, a water blind, a diversion bird. It can be outgoing or incoming diversion. Um, you can have a poison bird in there. All these different elements that anything that could pop up in a hunting environment could happen at the highest level of hunting, they want to throw at you and see if the dog can do it. Well, if you can get one pass per weekend. You run Saturday all day and Sunday all day for one pass. To get your master title, you have to beat all those standards um, and have a, a seven or higher in all those standards. And if you beat those standards, you get one master pass. Well, you have to get six to get the master title. And if you get six within a calendar year, you are a master hunter and qualified for master nationals. And um, Axel did that. Uh, between it's two and a half and now three, three that's average old. or is that early is that late that, that, for a pro trainer that's um a little better than average it, it's not late um we started axel in the in the field trial game and then last hunting season came up on us and we we took him hunting um and for hunting tips and stuff like that with you and the foul life so we delayed that a little bit and then we went into the hunt test game and um, he's still above average. Do we have some dogs that um, achieved the title before um, he did? We do, but um, he's still above average. Yep. And with the Master Nationals, is Axel 
prime for that? Do you think he'll be ready for that? Is, is that the next step for him? Or what, what is the next step for him as far as the AKC and the UKC? He's going for his, is he going for the UKC title as well? He ran his first UKC title last weekend, and um, he did a great job, got 10s across the board. So we have seven of those to get because we skipped season. So that, that'll give him his Hunt and Retriever champion title and his Master Hunter. He is qualified for Master Nationals, but um, like we talked, um, I think the, the dual title is mo- more important, and we can focus on hunting this year and getting back on the foul life this year and getting that Hunt and Retriever champion title probably this fall, probably knock it out. With the experience you have with, with your career, Brad, he's three years old. He's a Master Hunter right now. He's going for his Hunter Retriever champion with the UKC. When do you see him breeding getting back you know getting into breeding and 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 doing that part of his his life i i would say um now after he's titled um that that puts proof in the pudding anybody can brag on their dog anybody you talk to says their dog's smarter and better than the next guys but now that he's got a master title at a young age this give him um the accolades to to tell everybody and show everybody that he he's ready to be bred Here's his five-generation pedigree that's phenomenal. Hips, eyes, elbows, EIC, CNM, heart, thyroid, everything's perfect on him as um, far as health. And now, now he's doing stuff, big things on the foul life with you guys. 44 birds down, 44 back in the duck blind. Nobody stepped foot out of the blind. Um, you do things like that, and um, people are really going to want to. It is amazing to him. think that during that duck hunt, none of us got out of the blind, Clay, except – Axel probably could have done it too, but that dead duck landed on the mojo and snapped it. Oh, snapped and the we mojo. had to go just, that's yeah. all we had to do. That's all we had to do during the hunt. Yeah, except Think sit, about there, that. sit there and relax and enjoy the hunt. Absolutely. Think about how mm-hmm. awesome that is. You know what? I didn't run out of the, the blind one time. This is one of the first hunts I've never had to. Normally, I'm always open. you got to enjoy yourself. Well, what? Are you, yeah, absolutely. Clay, you're about due for a new dog. Didn't you say you were yeah. ready? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be talking to Brad, trust me. Um, I would. But, uh, you know, absolutely, just morning shoot with that many birds on the ground, you know, the birds in our face. He, like uh, Brad said, this bird, this dog never broke. Actually, to be honest, you didn't even know he was with us until you seen the black streak in and out of the field. And, uh, you know, as a three-year-old dog, you can see he's only a three-year-old dog. His, his back end's passing his nose as he's coming back because he is so excited with that duck in his mouth, you know. Um, he is. He's- it's like having a new hunter in the blind with you for the first time watching Axel in the field work. So, yeah, it was a true treat for me and Earl and uh, everybody that, you know, gets out there and do, does this on a daily basis. It was a highlight of our morning. There's He's a no master doubt. hunter. It's unreal. Talk to me master. a little bit about. We're going to end it on this. I know that you got it. You have to go west. I have to go east. He's got new clients coming into camp. How important has the last year been in the relationship with Yukonuba Sporting Dog? Why do you use it? Are you paid to use it, and that's the only reason you feed it? Is it show? Has it show, tested and been and proven to you as far as the results you're seeing? Because you're not just feeding it to Axel; you're feeding it to all of your dogs at Mossy Pond. What are you seeing out of it, and could the relationship be any better? And how important is nutrition when it comes to all this? The master hunter, the hunting in, in below freezing weather like we did today, spitting snow. Talk to me a little bit about your relationship with Yukonuba Sporting Dog and where you see that going, and the benefits of the science behind their food. You know, just just like any business owner, you want to um, you, you strive to be the best. And for me and my family and all, all the guys and girls back at Mossy Pond, our, our whole team, trying to be the best, um, Yukonuba makes it makes it pretty easy to go with them. 
I mean, we fed everything from A to Z. You name a dog food, and I fed it since 2003. I fed it. I want to. I always wanted to find out what is the best dog food out there. What is the best food to give my dogs the best nutrition, the most energy, the slicker coat when I show up at the field trials, or I hand off that dog when I go hunt with the foul life, and that's on national television. I want that dog to look the best. You look at any of our dogs, walk through there right now, their, their, their skin, their hair, their muscle tone. Look at Axel. He looks like a little bodybuilder. Yeah. And if I want to be the best for my kids, and I have to be the best to, to provide for them, to provide and take care of the rest of the guys and the rest of the team at Mossy Pond, I want the best. And Yukonuba makes it easy. And, you know, the relationship and um, Mr. Brett and Miss Courtney, the relationship that we've built over the last year is phenomenal. They're always there for me, questions, anything I need. They take care of us, and um, they provide a premium product that takes our dogs to the next level. And there's customers that I've had for years, 10, 15 years, that they honor and trust what I, what I say feed. And in the years past, we have we have had other products in the kennel. But now that we're with Yukonuba and they see the results, I mean, it's night and day. I guarantee you if I change tomorrow, they would stay with Yukonuba with the results and how big of a good positive change we've seen here in the last year. So um, I, I'm just pumped up, excited. I think that's one of our, our biggest achievements that we've made here lately and taking us to the next level is our relationship that we've that we're getting into and have built with Yukonuba and um, I'm glad the to be switch doing over. it with you. Yep. I'm glad to yep. be doing it with you. It's yep. been awesome. It, it's exciting. We'll be taking over their Instagram this week. That'll be a awesome. bunch of content for that. I love Courtney, Jenny, Ashley, Brett. I mean the entire crew over there. You have Jake Terry, their photographer, just a great crew of people. They're out of St. Louis with Royal Canine and they've uh they've exactly what you said. When you need them, they're there. When you don't need them, they're still there willing to lend a hand and they want to be involved. They're trying to really, you know, get that footprint back in this sporting dog community, hunting community and they're We need it. Yeah, we need it. We need people to like they're the companies the major supporters of companies like that mean everything to a hunting business, you know, and a a sporting dog kennel and so thank you, you Yukanuba. Thank you Clay Charlton. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Huck. Thank you, Arnie. Thank you, the entire Foul Life crew, Tom, Tyson, Clay, everybody that lent a hand this week. I know that we can keep going. Mr. Joe, Mr. Mark. Thank you, Brad Arrington. Thank you, Axel. Thank you, Mr. Duff. Everybody, it was a joint effort, a team effort up here in Alberta in 2019. We will be back probably twice in 2020. Thank you guys so much for your support of the Foul Life podcast. We'll be bringing more great guests, more Uh, what do you call it? Just tips and tactics and instruction and hopefully some entertainment value to your ears as you roll down those streets in America or Canada or wherever you might make your living. Clay Charlton, any last words, my man? No, just wanted to say thank you all, Brad. It was a real pleasure to meet you. It was a pleasure to have you in my lodge. Same here. Thank thank you both. Thank all the guys at the Foul Life and all the guys at Take Them Outfitters to making this a successful hunt and giving me the opportunity to tag along with you guys. So I, I really appreciate it, and I'm honored to be here with you. At Take em Outfitters. Take em, is it take underscore um? Yes, on uh, Instagram. Take underscore um Outfitters on Instagram. TakeEmOutfitters.com. Oh, it's take dash um Outfitters. Uh, on 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 on, oh, uh, on say, the website. What's your website, Clay? Take em Outfitters with a dash. T a k e dash e m Outfitters 
at live.ca uh, or .com to the website, and you can get a hold of us. Or if you're having a hard time finding us anywhere in Alberta, just get a hold of the man himself, Mr. Chad Belden, the Foul Life or TV. Clay Belding. Or, or Clay, and uh, they will steer you in the direction. Brad, thank you so much. At Team MPR on Instagram, mossypondretrievers.com. Check them out. Team Yukonuba, Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Thank you all so much for the support. The Foul Life episode every week is going to be geared towards making you a better duck hunter, better goose hunter. It's all ducks, all geese, all the time. Thank you all so much. Tom Rashashin, with your flowing locks of hair and that great booty, will you please push that button? 2 a.m. Logic, a song that I was part of writing, and I'm very proud to be a writer, a co-writer on this song, My Foul Life. Crystal, thank you so much for the Thanksgiving dinner. Clay, you're out kicking your punk coverage. She's way too beautiful for you. And um, I don't know what Clay's doing, but he's trying to emulate Brad Arrington in hand signals, and his wife is not listening to him right now. Thank you guys so much for your support of the Foul Life podcast. Check out new episodes of the Foul Life TV right now, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. Check out our entirely new merch- merchandise line at thefowllife.com. And don't forget to listen to those podcasts over at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Great guests coming up, including Dan Henderson from the UFC, Leith Lofton, and Brent Cobb. We're headed to Saskatchewan. Peace out. Love you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you.